0: What a wonderfully talented group of people, gifted you are as a church. Thank you all so much for what you've done. It's also really nice for me to get back to the land of y'all. I grew up in West Virginia, not too far from here, and these are my roots. I love Appalachia. I love this part of the world. I haven't lived here for over 30 years, but it's still very much a part of my soul. It's wonderful to hear you speak the language that I grew up with. I'd like for you to write four things down just to frame our day today. I want us to think about four questions that we need to answer to frame our thinking about what it means to be involved in this great endeavor called the mission of God. Uh, The first question is a simple one, who are we? Who are we? And we're going to say that we are the people of God. Who are we? We are the people of God. Second question takes it a little bit further. That question says, why are we who we are? And we're going to answer that question by saying, we are the people of God's mission. First question, who are we? Second question, why are we who we are? We are the people of God's mission. Third question we're going to look at is, where are we? Where are we? Where are we who we are? We are the people of God in the world that is fallen and desperately in need of redemption. That's where we are. The fundamental truth is when we were baptized into the faith, the preacher didn't hold us under so that we could go straight to heaven. The truth is he brought us back up so that we could live out who we are in this world where God has blessed us to be. So the first question, who are we? The second question, why are we who we are? The third question, where are we who we are? And the last question is, when are we who we are? When are we who we are? We're going to answer that question this morning. That's the question of time. When are we who we are? We are the people of God. We are the people of God's mission. We are the people of God in the world that desperately needs redemption. And we are the people of God between the comings of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who are we? Why are we who we are? Where are we who we are? And when are we who we are? Those four questions will frame what we're going to do today. This morning, we're only going to look at that last question. When are we who we are? And so you're gonna have to come back tonight to get the answers to the first three questions. That's right, (laughs) thank you for that. When are we who we are gets us thinking about time. And I would have to say, as someone who's been in many different places, different cultures, different countries, we are probably a people obsessed by time more than almost any other culture that I know or any other place where I've lived. In fact, there are those who have done some research, those who had too much federal research money and too much time on their hands. They've asked the question what question do people ask in the United States most frequently? And the answer is, what time is it? Isn't that interesting? When you think about it, we wake up, first thing we want to know is, what time is it? We pace our day throughout the day by asking that question, what time is it? Now, the truth is, we really don't care about this kind of this arbitrary movement of the sun across the horizons, what we really want to know when we ask the question, what time is it, is what am I supposed to do? Because if we know what time it is, we know what we're supposed to do. We use time to interweave or to mesh our behaviors with other people. So if I want to have lunch with you, what do we do? We set a time for the two of us to get together and have lunch. So here's the basic premise, if we know what time it is, we know what we are supposed to do. Now that's true not only for each and every day as we arrange our own schedule throughout the day, that's also true if we think about ourselves as the people of God in the plan of God for all of human history. Because not only should we ask ourselves the question, what time is it today? What am I supposed to do today? We should also ask ourselves the question, when, as the people of God, has God placed us in his plan for all of human history? In other words, what time is it in the plan of God? If we know what time it is, we know what we are supposed to what? Do. So I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter one. Because that question, what time is it, Lord, is a question that the disciples asked the risen Jesus in this chapter, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Let's start reading in verse 1, shall we? I love hearing the pages of your Bibles turn. Acts chapter 1. Luke writes it this way. In the first book... Let's just frame ourselves in the lives of the disciples because they're the ones about whom this passage is being written. The disciples began to understand or begin to know this man called Jesus through some miraculous events. In fact, if you go back to Luke chapter 5, you could realize that Peter sees the Lord Jesus heal his mother-in-law in in Luke chapter 4. And, of course, the biblical record doesn't tell us if Peter was happy about that. But nonetheless, (laughs) that's the first thing that Peter encounters Jesus. Then in Luke chapter 5, Jesus fills his boat with fish. Peter was a fisherman. And all of a sudden, Jesus has filled his boat with fish, so many fish that they can't even haul in the nets. And Jesus, Peter falls at Jesus' feet and begins to follow him. Now, we tend to think that once the disciples followed Jesus, they had it all. They knew everything they needed to know about him, but the truth is they didn't, did they? All through the Gospels, we see these disciples learning more and more about who this Jesus is. They saw Jesus do things they'd never seen before. They saw Jesus say things about God they'd never heard before. They saw Jesus tear down barriers they'd never experienced before. They saw demons come out of people. They saw blind people see. They they saw people who couldn't walk, walk. And all along the way, they're wondering, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? And all through that time when he is with them, he teaches them about this idea called the kingdom of God. Now, they'd heard the rabbis teach about the kingdom of God. In fact, this idea of the kingdom of God was deeply woven into their Jewish identity. You see, they all longed for the kingdom of God. And Jesus had the audacity to say to them that the kingdom of God was in their midst. Now, theologians have killed thousands of forests writing about the kingdom of God. Hundreds and thousands of pages have been written about the kingdom of God. I think you can boil it all down to, to this. What did the disciples think when they heard the phrase, the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is simply that time when everything that's wrong in the world will be made right. And everything that's broken in the world will be made whole. And everything that's ugly in the world will be made beautiful because God reigns on the earth. That's the kingdom of God. Everything that's wrong in the world made right. Everything broken made whole. And everything ugly made beautiful because God reigns on the earth. And so when Jesus said to them, the kingdom of God is in your midst, and they saw broken people made whole, When they saw the the people set free from demons, they began to believe it. Maybe the kingdom of God really is in our midst. Maybe now's the time when everything will be made right and whole and beautiful. In fact, if you look in Luke chapter 19, at the end of his life, as Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, we can read clearly that they believed When Jesus got to Jerusalem, he would establish the kingdom. Oh, they couldn't wait. And five days later, he was dead. And a stone hid hid him from them. Can you imagine? The way the disciples experienced that last week of Jesus' life. I fortunately reached that age where I no longer have to get on a roller coaster. When my grandchildren get to be old enough, I'm sure I'll do it again. But at this point in my life, I have no desire to get on a roller coaster. You know what it's like. You, you get in one of those little cars and someone who hasn't yet shaved slams a bar down on your knees to make you feel safe. <laughs> those old wooden roller coasters, you start down that incline, you know what it's like? And, and then you get to the bottom of that first little incline and you start to go up. And then there's always that moment when there's a pause before the chain hits the gear in the bottom of the car. You know that? Where you start to go back a little bit. And, and then you go up. You with me? You know, if somebody had a heart monitor and a camera on me They would feel my pulse increasing. They would see my eyes dilated, my nostrils flared as you come up and up and up and up in anticipation of what's to come. That's exactly the way the disciples were. Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. The kingdom of God was about to be established. Up and up and up, waiting, anticipating what was going to happen. And then he was dead. It's like going over that first hill on the roller coaster where you lose consciousness, because of you're so disoriented, <laughs> thrown into the depths of darkness. And that's where we find the disciples. But just three days later, some women came back to where they were hiding and said, "He's risen from the dead." He couldn't believe the testimony of women, so they had to run. To the tomb, and I love the way John's gospel tells it. John and Peter running to the tomb, and John gets there first, and he's not there. He's risen from the dead. Luke picks up the story. Luke tells us in these verses that he was with them for forty days, and Luke tells us in verse in verse three that he showed them many proofs you know it wasn't like they were in a room somewhere and someone said oh 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 i think i see jesus in the smoke over there in the corner or oh oh i think i see the profile of jesus in that mold pattern on the wall no he was with them the text tells us he ate with them This word, many convincing proofs, is a word for evidence that cannot be disputed. He was alive. And and Luke tells us what they were talking about. We know from this passage that they weren't old people because they weren't talking about their medication. (laughs) They were talking about what? What what does Luke tell us when he was with them? Speaking about, at the end of verse 3, the kingdom of God. This is what he'd been talking about. This is what they were waiting for. And now, having been raised from the dead, having conquered death itself, surely they thought that this was the establishment of the kingdom of God. Finally, everything would be made right and whole and beautiful because the kingdom would come in all of its fullness. In verse 4, Jesus says to them, tells them not to depart from Jerusalem, verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And of course, they knew that the prophet Joel had prophesied that when the kingdom of God came, the spirit would be among them and in them and upon them in ways that they had never experienced before. They knew that now must be the time. Several years ago when we were living in Poland, we we lived in Poland during the communist era and we didn't have any access to mail and we couldn't use the phones because they were tapped. But occasionally, we'd get uh, care packages from uh, my parents. My mom would put together these boxes, and these boxes would come. Of course, they'd always be opened and rifled through, but they'd come to our house, and they contained these marvelous things, Snickers bars, (laughs) Honey Nut Cheerios. And so my kids would dive into these boxes, and they'd have Snickers bars and Honey Nut Cheerios. Never once... Did vegetables come out of that box? <laughs> Never once. And, and, and grandma would send toys to them ancient archaeological artifacts like a, like a Walkman or a Game Boy. Toys from grandma, Snickers from grandma, Honey Nut Cheerios from grandma. And then grandma would send these little Cassette tapes, ask your parents what a cassette tape is. (laughs) Little cassette tapes and grandma would read them stories and never once in those stories that grandma read did her voice say, pick up your room, eat your vegetables. So one day we said to the kids, hey kids, we're gonna go to grandma's house. We're gonna visit grandma. Can you imagine their image of grandma? Snickers bars, Honey Nut Cheerios, toys and stories. Grandma's house. That's where everything in the world is made right, and everything that's broken is made whole, and everything that's ugly is made beautiful. The word no is never spoken at Grandma's house. (laughs) Kids were gonna go to Grandma's house. Well, we didn't tell them that we had to get up early the next day. We had to go to the train station, take a five-hour train ride to the capital city, wait three hours, take an eight-hour flight to the United States, wait three hours, take another three-hour flight to grandma's house, and then drive for an hour to get to grandma's house. We didn't tell them that. (laughs) So we got up the next morning. Everybody's excited. We're trying to get five kids and 34 million pieces of luggage onto the train. Kids are yelling and stomping. I think at one point they had, two of them had the same jacket on. I don't know how they did that. (laughs) Finally got to the train. We're all sitting in the compartment. I'm counting heads. I'm counting luggage. We're all there. We're on the way to grandma's house. We hadn't traveled 10 minutes before the oldest one asked the question. Do <laughs> you know what that question is? Your kids ask that question too. <laughs> I think it's genetic. Are we there yet? That's exactly the question that the disciples are asking Jesus in verse 6. Look at it. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel Lord are we there yet when everything's going to be made right and whole and beautiful Lord is now the time I have a feeling that Jesus answer to his disciples was as unsatisfying as my answer to my kids he says to them in verse 7 It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. He's already told them this in Matthew chapter 24, that only the Father knows the time when the kingdom will be established. It's not time for you to know. And in reality, the question is, not so much is this actually the time, but Lord, are you ever going to do it? Are we ever going to see the kingdom? Jesus says to them, It's not the time for you to know about the kingdom, but look at it in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and and to the end of the earth. That's what time it is. Church, you want to know what time it is? Jesus says in verse 8, It's time for the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, to testify to the Son of God and fulfill the mission of God throughout all the earth. That's what time it is. Can you do it with me? I'm going to ask you even to do the hand motion stuff. Trust me, no one will think you're Pentecostal. I guarantee it. (laughs) You ready? What time is it, church? It's time for the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, to testify to the Son of God and fulfill the mission of God throughout all the earth. That's what time it is. And remember, if we know what time it is, we know what we're supposed to what? To do. That's what time it is. The Spirit of God has come in a way that was never experienced by the people of God before. The Spirit of God has gifted the people of God and empowered the people of God, not just to enjoy those gifts for themselves. We're gifted and we're empowered by the the Spirit of God to testify to this one who has conquered death and has been risen from the grave. And in doing that, we fulfill God's mission that the Son would be known and redemption would come throughout all the earth, in Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. That's what time it is. That's when you and I are the people of God's mission. After the risen Christ has empowered us with the Holy Spirit to testify to, to to whom he is. It's not rocket science. But it's world changing. And so the disciples having had this wonderful exhortation. This wonderful promise of the spirit. In verse 9 we read this. And when he had said these things. As they were looking on he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. I have this image of the disciples. Think of a commander with, with the troops that are around him or her and the commander says to the troops you see that hill our mission is to take that hill we've been equipped to take that hill we have the power to take that hill our mission is to take that hill let's take that hill and then the commander disappears you the people of God empowered by the spirit of God are to testify to me throughout all the earth and fulfill the mission of God and he's gone this Bible tells us that he was hidden from them by a cloud. Forty-some days before that, he'd been hidden from them by a stone. The disciples had to be asking the question, now what? Now what? This is not the way we drew it up. I mean, the first time, Jesus, you were supposed to bring us into Jerusalem, you were gonna march into the palace, sit on the throne, and the kingdom was going to be established. And everything that was wrong in the world was gonna be made right, everything was broken in the world was gonna be made whole, and everything that was ugly was gonna be made beautiful. That's what was supposed to happen, and then you went and died on a cross. Then you rose from the dead, you told us we're empowered by the spirit, we're to testify to you as the risen king, And now you're gone. Now what? Thankfully, the Lord sends them an answer to the question. Verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Two men, because we know from the scripture that the testimony of two men is deemed to be true, dressed in white to indicate that they are from God himself. And they come and they say to these disciples who are standing there looking into heaven, wondering what's next, because Jesus has just left this very thing, that he will return. Just as you saw him go, he will return. Return. And so the answer to the question, what time is it? Is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom? The answer to that question is yes and not yet. Yes. The Spirit will empower you as those who testify to me to live out the values and the beliefs of the kingdom of God. And yes, there will be redemption and release from that which oppresses. Some of what is wrong in the world will be made right when the people of God testify about me. Some of what's broken in the world will be made whole when the people of God testify about me. And some of what's ugly in the world will be made beautiful when the people of God testify to me. Yes, the kingdom of God is here, but not yet. Not yet. You see, we live between the comings, the first coming of the king, the son of God who will reign on the throne of David, and we wait for the second coming. Just as sure that he rose from the dead and conquered death itself, is the certainty that he will come again. And when he comes again, indeed, everything that's wrong in the world will be made right. And everything that's broken in the world will be made whole. And everything that's ugly will be made beautiful because he will reign on the earth. I wish you could go with me to places where we have the privilege of seeing this tangible expression of, of just a foretaste or just a crumb or, or just a, a, a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven. Per, perhaps you could go with me into, into the slums of southern Beirut where refugees and those who are living outside the system of any type of control live in a crowded space it's probably the most dangerous place I've ever been Where Shiites and Sunni, Druze and gypsies All crammed together in conditions that are deplorable They hate one another Every day there's violence You walk through those streets and you see broken walls And tattered wires and trash and garbage And you hear scuffles and fights And you're just hoping there's no gunfire It's probably the most desperate place I've ever been you walk around the corner and you come to a place that's clean and fresh and painted. You step through the gate and you're not met by screams or yells or arguments but you're welcomed in. You come because you have medical needs and there's nowhere to get your needs met. Nowhere else, no one cares for those who live in this slump except a group of women who name the name of Christ. You walk through their gate into their courtyard. And you're treated like a human being. They ask you questions. They find out what your needs are. They treat your, kil- your children as if they matter. They give you care. They give you medicine. They give you life. All in the name of Jesus. And just for a moment. What's wrong in the world is made right, what's broken in the world is made whole, and what's ugly in the world is made beautiful, because the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, are testifying to the Son of God and fulfilling the mission of God in that horrific place. My dear brothers and sisters, what time is it? It's time for us as the people of God empowered by the Spirit of God to testify to the Son of God and thus fulfill the mission of God throughout all the earth. There is no other mission. That's who we are. That's why we are who we are. That's when we are who we are. Let's pray together. And so, our dear Father in heaven, I thank you for these dear brothers and sisters, those who have tasted the first, first taste of your kingdom, those who have been redeemed from sin, those who have been given new life, those whose broken lives have been made whole. Thank you that they are now empowered by the Spirit and that they in the power of the Spirit can testify to your Son and fulfill your mission. Lord, by your goodness and your grace, give them fruit. May they see your Spirit work through them in ways that inspire and awe them and point all the glory to you And we pray it in your son's name. Amen.